0: Welcome to the Emerging Minds Families Podcast.
1: Hi, I'm Alicia Ranford and you're listening to an Emerging Minds Families Podcast. Before we start, we'd like to pay our respects to the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is recorded today, the Kaurna people of the Adelaide Plains. We also pay respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples, their ancestors and elders past, present and emerging from the different First Nations across Australia. In today's episode, we will be talking about the complex nature of children who have been removed from their families through the child protection system. If you feel this topic may bring up difficult feelings for you, perhaps give this week a miss and join us next fortnight, or you can find resources for support in our show notes. For many of us, the relationships we have in our lives provide a sense of belonging. They can help fulfil us and enrich us. As time passes and we navigate the ups and downs of life, relationships can also change and when we lose connection with the people who matter to us it can be painful. Today I'm talking with Flick. She is a mother of four and knows firsthand the challenges of maintaining connections through difficult times. Flick has joined us previously as our very first guest on the Emerging Minds Families podcast channel where we talked about learning to parent when you weren't parented well yourself and if you haven't already checked this one out I'd highly recommend it. Welcome Flick, thank you so much for joining us again.
0: Thanks for having me back.
1: Could you start by telling us a little bit about your experience and how you came to be separated from your son?
0: My life begins with my mum being abandoned at six weeks old and put into the child protection system and not knowing her family until she was 21, which then leads into myself being in child protection as a teenager. And unfortunately, my children, so three generations now, have been in the child protection system. And I believe it is around not having that healthy role model to help teach you and guide you along the way to parent. Also, the back of drugs and alcohol, DV, unhealthy relationships and homelessness led to the removal of my children. But I do believe today that without the drugs and alcohol and DV and unhealthy relationships, I would have still been in the same spot because I didn't know how to parent from a young age of 17. So I guess that's a little bit of a background. There's no excuses. That's just how life worked out with our family. But it's about now how do we bring our family together and live in the most healthiest way.
1: And why do you feel it was important to you that you remain connected to him during this time?
0: I guess at first I thought it was really important because it was about my emotions which I didn't realize at the time I felt because I wanted to see my son that was what was best and with years of working through this system what I see today 12 years on I find it really important because it's about his needs and what he actually needs not what I need as a mother and my emotional field it's being navigated by my little boy or well, now big boy, and just backing him all the way.
1: The experience of separation by child protection is different for every family and child. But what do you think parents in this situation should consider when looking to remain connected with their child who is in care?
0: I think the biggest thing to look out for is what does the child want? What actions are the child displaying? How can you meet your children's needs? I found with myself and other families, when a a child's in the system and they're having family time once a month maybe, two hours, parents feel like there's no space for them. And what I found was using them two hours wisely to parent. So opportunities where you can parent and stay connected. And how do you do that stuff? I think as a parent, we had this grand idea that we can only be connected to our child if our child's living underneath our roof and we're in this routine where I was able to stay connected with my son and do family history with him in a park once every month take our art box down to the park and draw up with some photos and describe who was who in our family so making the most of the time when I got to seeing him face to face and then trying to have phone calls video chat play games online with him they're not as huge as seeing each other in person but i do believe especially as he gets older so indirect stuff means more to him and he gets more excited if it's through gaming or on the phone where it's in his time and he can stop when he wants he's not feeling forced or pressured and so for you flick can you
1: describe what this journey of reconnection was like for you and your son
0: yeah look it's so many mixed emotions to it. I guess my son was removed at 11 months old, and is now 13. So it's been a very huge roller coaster. And over the last 12 years, it's been really happy, but it's been really horrendous and sad at times as well. I'm trying to navigate. Knowing my son, he's been brought up in a different household, in a different dial of parenting. He doesn't really know who I am. So it's been really confusing and really hard, but at the same time, It's been really rewarding. And I guess what I'm trying to get to, I wouldn't have any other way. Like it's really given us time to actually stop and get to know each other. It hasn't been on the rush or on the fly, like my daily household at home where everyone's rushing to do what they need to do for the day. When I see my little boy, we can actually sit and connect and just have a bit of peace. Was it a
1: process for you to be ready to reconnect as much as it being what's right for him?
0: Yeah, so I think through this journey with the reconnection, it wasn't just about that me and him had space. So it's trying to navigate child protection system of caseworkers case managers foster parents different locations so that was a challenge within itself but then very early on reconnecting with him looks very different to how I connected with him today and that's due to me having a support network and therapy and different things go on for me to understand myself and understand what my child actually needs more than someone that presents as a mother so I think with me looking at myself and why am I connecting with my son how i'm doing it is it the best interest with him or is it for me today it looks very different and more healthy because it is about him and his needs so if he doesn't want to see me that is okay that's what he needs for the day i still get sad and i still get upset when he doesn't want to speak to me or see me but i don't force that stuff anymore and for so long i just kept going into meeting after meeting saying i want to see my son more i need to speak to him on the phone i need this i need that and it was all about me which I didn't realise, and now I'm able to sit in meetings and talk about what my son needs because I'm hearing him now.
1: That's very special that you've been able to reflect on that, Steve. And I wonder, are there people or places that supported you in rebuilding this connection with your son?
0: There's not many places. Once you tell people that you've lost your children to child protection, there's not many places that really want to have much to do with you, let alone that really support you or advocate for you. And the problem for me was I didn't understand what was going on. It looked very clear on paper, but in my head, I couldn't wrap my head around it to actually understand on a head and heart level. And so my old supervisor was my advocate and my support person, and she would explain to me what was going on. I explained to her how I was feeling after seeing my son, and she just educated me. Pretty much is what I'm trying to say. And she was just standing there, walking alongside this journey of the last four years with me and at some point she got honest with me and said some things need to change and done it in a loving kind way and I was able to look at that and change then things which then my son could see a different mother and a more emotionally attached mother.
1: It sounds like you've been very inwardly reflective about yourself and equally what's best for your son.
0: Yeah definitely because I think it's very huge that we can think What can we do for our children and what's going to be best? But if we don't look within ourselves and change patterns and behaviours and defects of character, then nothing's going to change for my son when seeing me or speaking to me. It's just going to be the same old and I won't be able to meet his needs. So I've had to really obviously get the drugs and alcohol and then look within me and do a lot of my own therapy so then I can actually recognise what my son needs and actually what he actually likes and dislikes so most of the time now he doesn't even have to tell me what he doesn't like or likes. Like, I can recognize that stuff by body language all the way he speaks.
1: And what a strength
0: of character you've shown to get to this point, Flick. It hasn't been easy. And I always say we we need a child protection system, but it's about how do we bring everybody together for the child? It's not just one service that can meet my child's needs. So... Everyone needs to be at the table and in, within that, that's been a journey of itself. And that has shown for my son over the years of not knowing who to speak to, what side per se should be on, mum's side or the department side or the carer's side. And that's what I've noticed very quickly is that children are really torn about what's going on and what to say. So how do we make it the most easiest? There is children at home that unfortunately can't live in that household. But how do we keep them connected to family and to know about their family where it's safe to do so? Because what we find when children that don't know their family at all, they go seeking their family at some point, which can be quite more dangerous and hurtful in the long run. So how do we get family known to both the child and the family too? Like it's unfair for family to miss out to know about the child that's in care. So it's about everybody, just not one person. And can
1: you share with our listeners some of the creative ways you found to reconnect and then stay
0: connected with your son? Very early on, it was literally going into a room that was supervised by another human being, taking notes on how we interacted and in a very boring room and a natural environment. And then it went to a park, which felt much better. He loves soccer. So he was able to get out and kick the ball and not only interact with me, but his siblings as well. And we've stayed connected on the telephone, FaceTime, letter writing, gaming. Also, um connection has stayed through his siblings. So his siblings might speak to him and I might not speak to him for the week or a couple of weeks or the month, but his siblings check in with him. So I guess that was the other thing too is I had to look at was that I wasn't just the primary person in my son's life. His sisters were and that was okay. As long as he has a group of people supporting him. He has many different options available to him to who he's going to go through when something gets tough. And I think that's been the biggest thing is to build that support network and go, you know what, just because you're mom, you might not be the first point of call and that's okay. But how do you keep him connected? to many different people. So I guess our biggest one has been face-to-face, me and my son. And it's doing different things. So we might go to the park and we might sit and we might chat. We might kick the ball. I might take a board game that he really loves. We also remain connected and he learned about family history when he went to the hospital to see my mother. She was very ill and after he seen his grandmother were walking out and I was able to tell him upstairs is where I gave birth to you in this hospital many years ago. So he was able to connect to his history through that scenario. So just finding any opportunity. A few years ago, it was my birthday and we went paddleboarding together and it was the first time in over eight years that we've ever seen each other without someone supervising us. And we're in the middle of the ocean on paddle boards and then we went canoeing. So just trying to find any opportunity whatsoever to just spend time together. And I guess this connection just forms over time. What do you think
1: being able to continue your relationship with your son has meant for you and him?
0: For me, it's really meant a lot because I have three children living at home while my son doesn't live with me. And it's a reminder that my children don't have to be in my house 24-7. And just because my child doesn't live with me, it doesn't mean he doesn't love me or I don't love him. Where for a very long time, I felt like he doesn't love me. He doesn't want me in his life because he wasn't living in my home, where I can see that's not the case. We can love others from afar. It doesn't have to be so close. And I think it really has shown my son, no matter where he is in the world and what space he's in, he's got a mother that's always going to back him. And I think that's what a child really needs to know. I know my children definitely need to know that they've got their mum on their side and I'll back them no matter what. And what a lovely message that even
1: though you might not connect every day or even every week, that you both know that connection is special and will always be there
0: yeah definitely definitely
1: so for anyone listening today who might be in a similar situation what would your advice be for them
0: well I guess my first bit of advice would be just to take a moment and have a look at your situation what's going on do you understand it if you don't understand your situation with your child go speak to a caseworker go speak to someone that's supportive and that you can trust and just look at how you can navigate spending more time, if that's in-person or letter writing, the phone. COVID has been really bad for the world, but in saying that, it's brought out some good stuff of video connection. And I think that's a really good one these days, that if it's not actually safe to see each other face-to-face or not wanting to do that right now, you've got video, you've got the phone you've got mail there's many different ways to do this stuff and if it is having a chat to your caseworker and speaking to your caseworker of what do you want what message do you want delivered to your child sometimes this stuff can be really hard and emotional for both the child and parent to navigate as well and there's been times where emotionally this stuff has got too much for me and I've had to stand back and say so I can't see my son for a couple of months I need to look after myself and get myself okay yeah. so there was a bit of radio silence there for a little while and then we reconnected again so looking at things aren't always going to be the same and having many different ideas at hand that you can draw upon instead of just the same old same old that may be working or may not be working because I know you and we've done lots of work
1: together now I know that you are a peer worker to support other parents to reconnect with their children what have you found is the best way for parents to be able to do this
0: Being a peer worker, what I found with that is that it helped me actually heal through all this stuff, where I felt that as a peer worker, I was just out there to help other parents and families connect, and I've always been very big on I don't just help families to be restored and everyone living back in the same home. I've always looked at it as how do I get a family to know the child and the child to know the family? That's the winning ticket for me is connection. And what I found through doing that was that I found there was parts of me that would get healed without even knowing. And and I guess that's why I love my job so much, the learning experience that I get and the healing I get myself from it. But what we find when working with, Parent is having a space where they can honestly speak about how they feel to other people. I remember when I disclosed to my support worker that I can't see my son anymore at the moment because my mental health is low. I thought that I was just going to be shunned and people would look at me strange and that I didn't love my child and they wouldn't understand And this woman just said, like, I get it, Flick, like, you need to make a decision on what's best for you and the children you have at home. And from that moment, I realized that by supporting other parents, it gives them a space to get honest about what's going on for them. So then they can move past that and they can then connect with their child in a more authentic way. And then it gives them the space to ask for help and say, I don't know, or this isn't working, where I find that if that space isn't created, parents will continue on with the same old, same old, even if it's not working because they're too afraid to ask for help.
1: And ultimately that working on your own mental health is going to be what's not only best for you, but it's also going to be what's best for your child or children as well.
0: Definitely. And within child protection, we have this idea that the work is only there for the child that is their client. But if we support the family in the long run, the child benefits mostly from that. So- If we can connect everybody together, the child gets the best benefit possible.
1: What do you think parents should ask themselves before they start this process of reconnecting with a child who is in child protection?
0: Yeah, I think the biggest question would be, is now the right time? Am I mentally okay? Am I emotionally okay to start this off? I think because if we're not okay mentally and emotionally, and we start on this roller coaster, because not everything goes smoothly, it can be quite dangerous for self and it can be quite damaging for the child. So I guess first off, am I okay? And is my child in the space right now? Is my child okay? And also during the process is checking in with yourself and your child too and making sure it's still okay to continue on. Does it need to slow down? Does it need to fasten up? Is there something different that needs to go on? And it might Not to be just you having a conversation with your child or you just reflecting within yourself. It might be someone else asking these questions. It might be you speaking with somebody else. It might be you speaking with your therapist, a support person, an advocate, somebody you trust. And in my situation, as many times that my old supervisor would be asking these questions, sometimes I didn't even recognize to ask myself, am I okay? Until she asked, are you okay?
1: And is part of the reconnection process also having some form of connection with the foster or kinship
0: parents? It is very important that a parent and the foster carer or the kinship carer or guardian in this case is connected. I think this process is so much harder when nobody knows each other. And I know this from firsthand experience because my three children were removed and they're in different homes. So three different carers. And I didn't know any of them. I didn't know if my kids were safe. I didn't know if they were happy. I didn't know what these adults looked like, and I was very uneasy. And it wasn't until I met my son's carer then I felt a little bit more at ease. I could picture her face. I could hear her tone, and I felt that my son was okay and he was safe. But it was also to checking in with the carer how my children are going. So. What I do now is monthly I speak with my son's guardian and she asks me how I am. I ask her has she had a break and if she's okay, she's got many kids in her home. We have a chat about what's going on for my son and this is all done on the phone once a month while he's at school or or he's out and about. And And we just check in with each other and see how each other's homes are going. So then that helps me when I do see my son or speak to my son on the phone, how to navigate that stuff.
1: And I know my children change their tastes and what they're into on a monthly basis. So I'm imagining too, that helps that connection because you know what to talk to them about and what questions to ask.
0: Oh, definitely. And it definitely helps at Christmas and birthdays and stuff when thinking about what gifts coming out. And it's not something then my child actually knows they're just going to receive. But it's definitely been really important, our conversations about his favourite thing is soccer. So hearing about what soccer game he played if I wasn't there, how it went, I'm able to actually have conversations with my son about some of the most meaningful stuff to him without sitting there looking clueless to him.
1: What would be the main thing you would want people to take away from hearing your story today, Flick?
0: I think if we can just remember that everyone's human and everyone makes mistakes, and people connecting with other human beings is hard, but trying to reconnect with your child that's in child protection is extremely hard. You're up against multiple different people. You're sitting in a space with a parent that may not actually understand what's going on or how to connect in a healthy way. So remembering giving people space and it's okay for people to take a break, but mostly checking in and just asking, like, are you okay? Like, I think as humans, we do that with our friendships all the time and there's no difference to this stuff. Us checking with our other parents and family members asking, are they okay during this process? And what is it you need from me that I may be able to help you with?
1: I really love that. What is it you need from me that I might be able to help with? That's a really lovely message to end on, Flick. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your experiences with us today. You're welcome. You have been listening to an Emerging Minds Families podcast. If anything spoken about today has been distressing for you or you find yourself struggling, please reach out for help. You can call Lifeline on 13 1114 or more resources for support can be found in our show notes.
0: (laughs) visit our website at www.emergingminds.com.au forward slash families for a wide range of free information and resources to help support child and family mental health. Emerging Minds leads the National Workforce Centre for Child Mental Health. The centre is funded by the Australian Government Department of Health under the National Support for Child and Youth Mental Health Programme.